I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Leaf Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. James, we have a ton of stuff to talk about how are you this midweek podcast that we're doing how are you doing today the leafs have crammed four games in already like i has any other team even played four games yet you look i at don't all- think so because i looked at the standings and i was like looking at every team it's like two 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 and then four. Oh, the kraken have played five actually yeah, they're on some long road trip, I think, to start the year, right? Well, because their first home game's coming up here. I th- believe their first home game is against Vancouver, I want to say, this weekend. Something like that. Actually, there's quite a, there's a bunch of teams that have played. They're, Kraken have played five, and then nine teams have played four games as we're recording this. All right. Well, so we have four games to dissect. Uh, we have a lot to get into, so we need to talk about Austin Matthews' debut. We need to talk about goalie gate. Should I call it that? Anything with a controversy is a gate. What's the? Uh, we'll talk. Is there a controversy with the goalie? Oh, I'm, I see the university kid. Yes, we'll talk about the Leafs' start to the season offensively. We'll talk about Jack Campbell, Peter Mrazek getting hurt, Nick Robertson. You know the the unfortunate situation with his injury. We'll talk about the Michael Bunting fan club growing. Uh, and we'll do uh, a pod bag. So we have a lot to get to. So I'll give you the choice. 
Do you want to start with Matthew's first game or the goalie situation that surrounded it? And obviously you wrote about that. Actually, that was that was two days before my mistake. The um, let's start with Matthews. That's the most recent thing that's happened. The goalie situation is more just. <laughs> I mean, it, I, you know, it might happen again. So uh, I think it's still relevant, even if it was you know four or five days ago. But you know, I think I think you know what I'll say first about Matthews, Jonas. Um, watching the first three games and then watching Game Four with him back, it's like. It feels like he's a player on another level from the rest of the team. He is. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, know, you, know, you look at their salary structure and it's like, this makes no sense. This guy makes the same as the uh, two of the other players who were having a hard time doing what he did in the first three games. So, he uh, Matthews looked like one of the best players in the world. I know he didn't score and maybe... Maybe some people hold that against him, but he looked for a guy who hadn't played in since what was their last game end of end of May. Mm-hmm. I won't talk about what happened in that game, but it, it's been a long time: June, July, August, September, most of October. It's a long time to not play a game and to come back and have sixteen shot attempts, and you know, basically, Chesterkin had to rob him numerous times to keep him off the off the score sheet. So, very, very impressive. I was a, it was a little bit concerning because it looked like he was like favoring the arm or something at the end of the game, didn't it? But then I know he said he was fine after the game. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I kind of echo everything that you said. He played almost twenty three minutes. He went thirteen and two uh, in the face off circle, eight shots. Uh, you mentioned all the attempts, and you know what was interesting to me, James? Like you mentioned, like how he's just on a different level. I thought it was noticeable how now. When you've got Nealander playing like he is, suddenly you finally have that two-line dynamic that they've they haven't really totally had consistently over the last couple of years. Like there are times when the Matthews line is going, and then there are times when the Nealander Tavares combo is going. But it 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 hasn't been as much as you'd think where both lines are really going. And you could kind of get a feel for what it looks like when Matthews is just like the best player in the in the world or right there. And Nealander is is kind of elevating his level to the point that it's been so far this year like it it creates a dynamic that you've you would think that they've they'd have more often do you know what i mean like they haven't had that as much as you would think and it just makes them a a scarier team to deal with and obviously they only scored the one goal that night but they like that's just a goalie playing you know amazing well yeah they should though like they should have two lines that are they're yes. really, if you're loading your best four offensive players, and the Leafs have four of the best, whatever, let's say 40 offensive players in the league, if you're lo- loading them all onto two lines, you should have two really good lines. So yes. that's, that's, where, that's where the Leafs need to get. I wonder, I mean, it's pretty remarkable what Nylander was able to do without Matthews or Tavares, wasn't it? Like it was... It, it almost feels like Nylander, maybe this is the next step. And I know he's yeah. taken steps before and sample size is pretty small so far this year. But I, I feel like we're seeing some things from Nylander that, that are really him at his best. And he's so far, I mean, like I said, four games, but he's been consistent through that. And the Leafs are going to be in a really, really good spot if he can play like this over a longer period of time. I, I think that the the two best players on the team so far through four games, Jack Campbell and, and William Nylander. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I I think you're right about Nihonder. I think it's just it just feels like a fuller performance. Like it, it feels like he's more involved in the game. He's more he's hungrier. Like he's winning battles. He's obviously killing penalties now, which is something new. And it's it's led me, James, and you can tell me what you think about this. Just watching him play and and obviously watching the struggle, I don't know. Nick Ritchie, you know, we'll get to that in a little bit, but just watching that, it, it, it's made me wonder, and, and I was watching Colorado, and obviously we've seen Boston over the years, if they should give more thought to just playing their three best players together more often, and maybe even just like, go just go Neil or Matthews Marner for an extended period and see what it looks like. Now, obviously, that would create a second line with Tavares that's just not as punchy, and you could make the case that why load up the Matthews line when it's already great? But it's just it's just something that's been running through my head. Do you, do you put any stock into that idea or no? I, I honestly I wonder if he should play Tavares with with Matthews. And, and they need him. I mean, who plays center then? Right? Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. But we've talked about this before on the show, like in years past. But I think that at some point Tavares they might need to rely on as a winger instead of a center. Yes. That's coming. That's coming. Um, I just, I think that if, you, I mean, the, the problem they ran into in part in the playoffs was they were too easy to shut down. So my concern would be if you put Nylander with Matthews and Marner and the other team has a good, good shutdown pieces yep. that they, they would be, they would really kind of feel like a one line team. And you're probably not maximizing what Tavares can give you if you're not, if you're not giving him another good player to play with. Yeah, it's just like I've been th- just thinking about it. It's like, why does it work for Colorado? Why does it work for Boston? Mm. Like, and, and you can you can say, well, did it work? I mean, I guess it did. Like, Boston got to the, the final. The, well, the Tampa's one year. top line's pretty loaded. But they kind, sort they, of. They kind of more split it with good players on the second line, too, like the way the Leafs do, right? Well, because they have Stamkos playing with Sorelli. And, right. I mean, who is that? You, you would be lacking in, in line mates for Neander, like or, or Tavares. I guess you'd play like Bunting, Tavares, and I don't know, Kerfoot or <laughs> Richie or that. And they, that's the problem. Anyway, it was just something I was thinking about. Um, but, you know, it, just to like to, the first three games, it looked like Neander could drive a line without Tavares yes. or Matthews. Like that, that's yes. what was interesting to me. Like you could like Kerfoot hasn't really been that noticeable or that good through the, the start of the season, but it nope. didn't matter. Like it, yes. it didn't matter. Neilander was still making a huge impact on the game. Well, and this was always the thing that, that Mike Babcock used to talk about with Marner is like, I don't need him to play with Matthews because he can drive his own line. And, and it was interesting through the first few games that that wasn't happening with, with Marner and Tavares. Like that line didn't until that third game, they really didn't have much going at all. And I don't understand it. What's what exactly has happened with the chemistry between those guys. They haven't played together a lot, but like they were unbelievable together that first year. And now when they play together, it's like, it's like they've never played together before. You know what I mean? It's yeah. weird. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, it did. It doesn't look like it's working. So that's, that's the only reason I know what you're saying about center and everything, but yeah. I just think Nylander looked so good when he was the best player on his line that. Yeah. Yeah. He can raise Tavares. It makes a lot of sense. Well, I, I guess that maybe that's what we'll see here in the in the games to come. You wrote about the the goaltending situation, the weirdness of what happened with Alex Bishop. Um, you reported 
pretty deeply on that. I wonder what your big takeaway was from that. Well, it first happens and it's like the Leafs don't have enough. Like the way it was reported was Leafs don't have cap space. So they're not going to have a backup goalie and they're going to have this 24-year-old Alex Bishop from university hockey who who really hasn't played a game in like two years or something like that, right? Because COVID shut down the whole university league uh, going way back, going back almost two years. Um, that's the way I saw it come across my my Twitter feed. I wasn't at the rink when, when it was announced. Well, to be fair, James, that is literally what the team told us. Right. So that's right. not... Go ahead. So they didn't try and like... But, but that's not really the whole story because they didn't have to play without a backup goalie. They decided to do that. But but like what what the way that it came out though was like oh Leafs screwed up don't have cap space don't have a goalie what like people were saying it was an embarrassment and people were dunking on you know the core four making so much money and then I looked at it and I talked to some some teams in, around the league and it's like no that's not that's not what happened like if you look at it it's like fourteen teams in the NHL are as capped out as the Leafs are. You know, like Colorado had to play with basically with 10 forwards the same night. The only difference with what happened with the Leafs and what happened with other teams is the Leafs decided instead of not playing a forward or a defenseman, we're going to not play a backup goalie who doesn't play anyway. But that's not a significant, that's not an insignificant detail. That is a significant detail. Like, I I feel like you're kind of glossing over that. No, I'm not saying it's not. No, but what I'm saying, Jonas, is that what is significant is the player they decided to sit, not that this happened. Like what's what's significant is not that they're so close to the cap because everybody's like that. It's not embarrassing. It's not like this is this is happening to teams like Vegas. I th- Chris Johnson had it in his story. Vegas had like 19 games last year where they were short a player. Mm-hmm. The difference was for the first time, a team didn't just decided that the backup goalie was what they didn't need, which is... I mean, it's a hell of a gamble. Like, what if what if Campbell hurts himself in in warm up? Like, are you just you're just forfeiting the game? Like, you're not going to win the game with the university guy in net. That's what I was uncomfortable with. Like, I your reporting and and Chris's kind of further informed my my thinking about it that it's it's more nuanced than initially it seemed. But I I still don't really feel comfortable with how that shakes out where you're potentially getting into a situation where that guy has to play. You know what I mean? Like I really, that could have been really embarrassing for, for them. They gambled for sure, but they thought that the upside, the Leafs thought the upside of that gamble was bigger than the downside. And the upside is some of that nuance you're talking about where you get to recall if you, if you play the game without without the goalie for one you get to recall Hutchinson with no cap hit you get to keep you don't have to waive one of your forwards Angval or, or Amadio uh, you don't have to send Timothy Lilgren down and you won't be able to recall Lilgren on emergency recall because he makes too much money to be part of that and you factor all that in if Mrazek Mrazek's going to miss how many games seven six or seven yeah so. Not having Lilgren for two weeks, does that outweigh the potential? I don't know. You know, like if you have a weaker defenseman, they might need to use Lilgren if, you know, they used him in the top four of the one game. Anyway, it's like an interesting thought experiment. Like, would you rather go without a backup goalie or would you rather go without one of your top six defensemen? I would rather go without one of my top six defensemen. Well, that's what I just, teams always do. Like, that's yeah. that, that's usually what they do. It's interesting, though. Like, the Leafs have don't have... I felt like they didn't have any flexibility last year, but they had the taxi squad 
and they could kind of move some pieces around and they could wave guys and put them on the taxi squad. This year, they have even less flexibility. They don't have a single forward that doesn't require, uh, that's exempt from waivers. Like every single guy would have to go through waivers. So, um, and the, 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 the hurdle with waivers is that it takes time to, to use it. Yes. Well, so, so that gets to kind of the, the heart of the issue is this is stupid and it's <laughs> dumb that, that the NHL puts teams in positions like this. They should recognize that this is potentially embarrassing to the league. It's not like so and this I, one game penalty is so like it's it's dumb. It's like slapping a kid, like slapping you on the wrist. Like what, what's the point of this? I actually talked to the league. It wasn't in my story because they didn't say a whole lot, but they the league basically said we're not concerned about this. You know, we're they like, should be. They they said we're gonna Bill Daly, is who I talked to. He said, you know, we're gonna keep an eye on it, but right now we're we're not concerned. But if this start, if teams like start looking at this and like, yeah, we don't need a backup goalie, and it starts happening like twenty times a season, all of a sudden you're getting to the point where these guys are going to be in the net a lot more. And I, you know, some people listening might just say, who cares? Like, it, you know, whatever. You know, like David Ayers played, and but I don't think you want this to be such a regular thing. So no, would the would the NFL have a situation where some kid off the street is coming in to play quarterback? Like last year with COVID and everything, they had a rule where you could emergency recall a goalie and you didn't have to wait. This year they got rid of that rule, so some teams were like, "What? Like they should just keep that rule?" Why? Why did they get rid of it? Because they thought that it wasn't going to be like COVID. I don't know. They only they brought it in for the one year for with the taxi squads and everything where your third goalie could just play regardless of what your cap situation or whatever was if, if if a goalie was hurt. I feel like if a goalie's hurt, you should be able to recall a goalie no matter what. Yes, you should. The league, like, the league should recognize that this is embarrassing to them. This is not, these are not good stories. Like, David Ayers, I know that never happens, but that's, that's, that's an embarrassing story. Like, I don't know, for, to have well, some... Well, except... If, Two goalies getting hurt in the same day. I guess like, that that's more well, unusual. Think, this is what like, do you think the one you? I just don't think there's a like a solution that makes sense for the David Ayers situation. Fair for this fair. situation, they had lots of time to to call up a goalie. Like Hutchinson was just sitting there waiting for it. Like it makes no sense to have a capable goalie and lots of time for him to play, and you still can't do it. Well, and you and, and they you can do it after one game. It's like so we're punishing you for one game, and then you can do it. Like what is this? What are they? What are we doing with children? Like, it's stupid. Well, the thought is anyway. that you shouldn't put yourself in a situation where you're so close to the cap, but I but don't... That's, uh, but the, the, the cap is a cap, and you're close to the cap. Like, I, I don't understand that. Like, you're not over the cap. Yeah. Well, what were the Leafs supposed to do? Like, like they wouldn't let them put Austin Matthews on long-term injured reserve, so they had to... They, they had to... 11.6 or whatever is, like, sitting there that not being... Like, that makes no sense either. Well, maybe that's a tweak that they need to make. Although I, I that gets a little hairy. I think in uh, the off season, guys who are hurt. I don't know what's the. Well, but that's why the Leafs were over the cap because they have like their biggest contract is is just like sitting there, and then you and then you have a goalie get hurt, but not hurt long enough to go in long term injured. I don't know. They, they, there's got to be a way they can fix some of that stuff. Okay, well let's let's segue into the goalies. Um, Peter Mrazek plays for two periods he gets hurt on the very last shot of the second period and it's just like right away immediately you're thinking this is exactly the one of the risks that comes with signing peter Morazic. these things are like i don't know like fluky i don't know like what you feel about injury prone but 
it's just a brutal way for his Leaf career to start, given that that was one of the question marks and he doesn't make it through one start, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really too... The Leafs have had a bunch of injuries, like we're, we're not even a week into the season and we, they've had a lot of injuries where it's like, oh man, that sucks. Like Ilya Mikheyev getting hurt again on the same arm it makes you yeah. wonder if there's going to be ramifications for him. Nick Robertson with a really bad injury again given how little he's played. He I mean he he was hurt f- was it the first NHL game last year? I think it was. Is that right? It was either the first or the second. I have it right in front of me so I can look one I second. think it was like 3 minutes into his first game. Like remember we were waiting yeah, for him to get the called Ottawa up. Game. Waiting first for him game. to get called up and then he got hurt like right away. Yeah. So and then um and then, and then Mrazek, you know, is a new goaltender. You give him a three-year deal, $3.8 million, a pretty significant investment. You think he's going to be your tandem guy. And he's a goaltender that's had a lot of injury issues, and down he goes. Um, the good news is that that one doesn't sound like it's – like a groin injury that's only a couple of weeks doesn't sound like it's that significant, but it's, it's not the greatest omen, is it? No, and it's still a groin injury for a goalie, which tends to – like. I mean, I saw him walking around in the press box. I don't know what that tells you, but um, like you're saying, it tells you two-week timeline is not super uh, serious, but it's still scary because those kinds of things can linger. Like we saw with Jack Campbell last year, he misses a month with a pulled groin. His first start back, he finishes, and then he misses three more weeks. Like it's just, it's just, it's 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 tough for them because like ideally you're coming into this year and thinking like, Maybe Campbell starts 40-some-odd games and Mrazek starts some 30-something. And now, like, maybe Campbell has to start more. And, like, you don't know what this is going to lead to for Mrazek. And, like, there are already questions about him. Like, it's just, yeah, it's it's not ideal, obviously. But Jack Campbell, so far, it's early sample size. But, like, he looks exactly like he did last year, doesn't he? I, would, I think he's maybe better. Maybe better. Yeah, maybe better. I, I think he's been fantastic. I think he's been really, really good. So, there, there was the one goal, the first goal against the Rangers wasn't great, but, I mean... I mean yeah, his, the Zibanejad shot? His, his, yeah. His, his numbers have been really good, but I think, like, eye test for him has been really good. Like, he seems really kind of composed in the net. He's not sliding all over the place. It, it kind of feels to me, James, like the, the things that could prevent him from continuing this obviously injuries and and he's had his share of those in the past and then it just kind of feels like can he kind of not be too hard on himself that's not a good way to phrase it but you you can even see it in some of these games like afterwards like he he is hard on himself like he said like I played okay and like I wish I would have had that one goal like he's and as you wrote about in your big feature and if people haven't read that and I'm assuming everyone read that um, go check it out. But like, that's one of the things that, that seemed to hold him back in the past. It's like, can you kind of like keep it on the, the steady over an 82 game season, knowing you're not going to be perfect every night. Some days you're going to give up a shitty goal. You know what I mean? Well, can he, you move on from it? He said when he was like eight and nine years old, that parents of other kids were worried about him because he was so hard on himself. Like that's something that his What's, what's Jack now? 30 years old? 29 years old? Yeah. That's something that's been that's with him his, his entire life where he has such a hard, he really feels like he lets people down when, mm-hmm. which is, it's a hard, it's a hard way to be, to be a goalie because you, 
the nature of of being a goalie, like I, it, you know, this is a little bit of an aside, but like my my son's starting to play hockey. He's six years old, and for the longest time, he said he wanted to be a goalie, but he would just get so angry and like frustrated every time one went in. And it's like, buddy, if you're going to be a goalie, there should be a lot of you're going to let a lot in. Um, so now he's been saying he wants to be a defenseman, but like, like you can't as a goalie, you're supposed to be like calm and cool and collected. You can't be like overly frustrated or. So uh, if if Jack Campbell can learn to control that a little bit more, and I know that he's tried, I wonder if he's been working with Greg Harden. The uh, what are they? What are the Leafs calling him? Performance coach. I wonder if he's been working with him. He's kind of like a the the mental um, guru that worked with Tom Brady and Michael Phelps and a bunch of other top athletes in other sports is working with the Leafs this year and. Our, our colleague Joshua Cloak wrote about Greg Harden. If you didn't see that story, it was really, really good. I wonder if that's that's one of the things that that they're gonna they have Campbell. Uh, you know, I wish Jonas that the access was better and we were in the dressing room because we could just talk to the players a little bit about stuff like this a little bit more. Yeah, it's just we're still in a pandemic, unfortunately. Um, but you're right. Like that's it's like a if if you're gonna play baseball, you're gonna, you're gonna strike out sometimes, and <laughs> like you're just gonna have to kind of accept that. And like as you were talking, I was thinking back to. Uh, I know you read the book Moneyball. I, I feel like I've oh, mentioned yeah. this before. Oh, right? yeah. It's sitting here on my shelf here in my office right behind well, me. Well, and so like Billy Bean, who ended up running the Oakland A's, like his big problem, like he was like this super duper prospect and he gets to Major mm. League Baseball and suddenly he's not as good. And like he really struggled to deal with failing. And and ultimately that's kind of what blew up his career. And it feels like last year was a step in the right direction for for Campbell to kind of figure some of that st- stuff out. Like you remember that, that middle of the season when uh, Sheldon Keefe said he had a, a talk with him, I think after a game they played Winnipeg maybe. And just like that, you got to let this stuff go. Like you can't be beating yourself up every time you give up a goal or a bad goal or have a bad start. It was becoming a big thing like on social media and stuff, right? Like he was like saying all this stuff and like it was yeah. like blowing up and becoming. Well, he had like three poor starts in a row i think and like that was a point where keith said like their goaltending was like i forget what he said but it was something it was becoming a nervous point for the organization and then he turned it around and here we are um let's take a break and then let's get into a little bit of the offense bunting richie we'll talk about robertson and then it's your time to shine james we'll do the pod bag Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James, let's talk. Do you want to talk about Bunting and Richie first, or do you want to talk about the offense? They're sort of related. Okay. Yeah, they are, I guess. Let's talk about um, the offense, because I think that that ties in with um, some of what we were talking about off the top. Okay. Well, obviously, um, to this point, 5-on-5 five five has not been a runaway train. Uh, the Leafs have scored, I think, only eight goals overall. Um Mitch Murray doesn't have a goal, obviously. John Tavares doesn't have a goal. Um, Richie doesn't have a goal. Uh, Bunting has two goals. Um, 
I was watching that. I'm not optimistic about our bet where I said Andre Kasha will have more points than Michael Bunting at this point. I'm I'm in trouble. Do you want to get in? Do you want to be like our, I think we're we're filling up positions pretty quickly in the Bunting, the Bunting fan club. So I don't know what we can give you anyway. um, (laughs) I was watching the first few games, James, and like, I kind of said to myself, like, I underestimated how much they're going to miss Zach Hyman. Um, I like Mitch Marner's like, I I don't, I'm not really concerned with Mitch Marner. I'm a, a teensy bit concerned if I'm the Leafs with, with Tavares, not hugely yet. All right. I got some numbers. But it's the rest. It's the rest of the lineup that, that I'm a little bit iffy about. I got some numbers to throw you here. I'm looking at individual expected goals at even strength per 60 minutes. Who do you think is number one on the Leafs? William Nylander. No, actually, it's not. Bunting? It's Austin Matthews. Matthews? I guess the one game. Yeah, all right. (laughs) I mean... uh, Who's second and third? Bunting and Nylander? Bunting is third. Second is actually Wayne Simmons, which is interesting. I guess because he actually did score a goal from like right inside the net. Well, it looks... Yeah. Simmons has been pretty solid, you know, like he's been... He's been doing what he needs to do, I think. He's been, you know, I think there was some concern over that contract and everything. I think he's been, yeah, you look at individual scoring chances, uh, individual shot attempts per minute. Simmons is in second in all of those stats behind Matthews. So, individual high danger chances. Oh, he's ahead of Matthews actually in that one. So, I'm still, anyway, yeah, go ahead. Uh, third is Bunting, uh, Kasha's up there. Kasha and Marner are tied for fourth and then Nylander. Um, but then there's a long list of guys who are giving them nothing. Amadio is last. He, he has generated no individual expected goals or like hardly any 0.14. He's done basically nothing offensively, which is a problem because that's what he's supposed to do. Uh, Engvall is low. Kampf is low. Nick Ritchie is very low. Kerfoot is low. Uh, Tavares is lower than you would want him to be. Uh, and a lot of the defensemen haven't generated much offense at all. Like Riley hasn't really had a lot. You know, Sandine's been the most offensive of the defensemen so far at even strength. So what concerns me a little bit is obviously the top line left wing is concerning. Um, and then those bottom two lines, like I just really don't know what you're going to get offensively out of them. Um, your boy Kasha, like he had, I think he had like 11 shot attempts the first game. Like it looks like, and now he's potentially hurt. He's not potentially hurt. He is hurt. We'll see if he misses time. I but feel like he's going to break through. Like I feel, I feel like, yeah, it, I would it, it just feels like it chances. might be up and down with him. Right. He obviously hasn't played a lot. So like you can give him, you got to cut him some slack for one game. He looks great. And then next game you don't notice him so much. I know but, it's early, but I think I would try bunting up with Matthews. It's like, it seems like those two have become buddies really quickly. And I don't know if you saw yeah. like some of the, like the the video after Bunting's last game when he scored the goal and Matthews was there and talking about how much he loves him and all that. And I think that's an inevitability, but, and so do you just play Richie with Tavares? Is that what well, you do? I, I, I would think about putting Kasha there. Yeah. It's just then. Then what becomes of this this shutdown line that you have? Do you yeah, do that's Kerfoot, true. Cam- I guess you that's do where Kerfoot, they miss Camp, right? But I guess you know, James, you could still do Kerfoot, Camp, Eng- Engvall, and like mm. that's still okay. Yeah, I think that makes sense. 
it's just like you you zoom out, James, and you and you look at this, and you're you're thinking like, what can they depend on bef- besides those four guys? And and I will see with Bunting, it looks good now, and I think it's going to be sustainable to a point. But it's like after that, what are you going to be able to get? Maybe Kasha gives you something, but what a, is that enough? I don't know. I, maybe that's the argument to keep Richie with some of your best players. Is you just hope that he's just like banging in the garbage coals that are like easy gimmies, but. I haven't really seen a whole lot from him so far. I think that that's a valid point, though, because like that line was dominant and and he wasn't impactful. But maybe like it doesn't matter. Like yeah. it's it's not unlike when they had Thornton there, where it's just like Matthews and Marner are going to have the puck all the time anyway. Like, what do you really care well, if Richie's that, just that spreads the wealth to your other lines and puts some some pieces of value further down the lineup? So yeah. And I, and I think the thing we, we, we do sometimes forget with guys like him, new team, like it it can take a little bit of time, but there is a reason like Richie hasn't really worked out as a, a guy who was picked 10th overall. It it just doesn't all come together and you can kind of see that so far. So I don't know, Are you, on a scale of one to 10, like how concerned are you with their five on five offense, like two or three? Yeah. If you look at the underlying numbers for them, offensively they're they're pretty solid like they're you know let, let's see if i can do this real quickly uh five on five expected goals per 60 they're fifth in in the in the nhl um it's real early but uh course c4 or shot attempts per 60 they're fifth uh unblocked shot attempts they're seventh um, i would guess lot the the ranger game though probably boosted those numbers quite a bit right yeah like but they they that, were dominant. That, that game counts. You yeah, know, it does, scoring sure. chances per sixty, they're third. Uh, and high danger, I think they were really high too. Yeah, they're also third there. So I mean, like they're near the top of the league in those stats. And Matthews is back. They looked really good against the Rangers. I think you just got to give it a little bit more time here. Agreed. I think that's fair. And, and like Marner, like th- that's going to happen. And Tavares, we'll see. Um, but bunting, James bunting, man, like if, if he can keep this up and he's not going to score whatever goals, um, but for 950,000, like that's really helpful if he can be something. And then like you look at camp for one and a half, if he can be dependable, that's good. That's good value. If Kasha can, can do what you and I think he might be able to do, that's potentially good value. Like they haven't done well enough on that front in years past. And this might with the capital M be the year that they can kind of like, kind of get some of those bets to pay off. Yeah. Look, uh, I mean, it's hard to say with Morazic, but it looks like they're off season. I don't know. You know what I think watching bunting is like, what was Arizona thinking? Like wh- they, yes. couldn't, they couldn't use this guy. No, they James, like they, they only, they only called him up at the end of March. Yeah. He looks a bit ugly on the ice. Like I can see like aesthetically he doesn't, he yes. kind of like stomps around out there. Like he doesn't get around in like a very. No, uh, he's not like the smoothest skater. No, no. He, but it doesn't matter because he kind of just like wills himself. Yes. And I wonder if the Leafs can keep working on that. Like I don't. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Hyman was like the smoothest or like the most he beautiful skater when he came in. And he really kind of, he was in such good shape and he worked at his technique and he just became faster and faster. It felt like. 
Well, and, and they did a really good job as an organization with like Frederick Goche was a pretty bad skater when they got him and, and he transformed to the point where he was like serviceable. Adam Brooks wasn't wasn't a great skater. He became serviceable. Like they've done pretty pretty well. Tavares even has improved, I think, as a skater with some of the work that he's done. So like if they can kind of clean that up, like they might have like a, a pretty interesting player on their hands because like you said, like he plays so hard and you watch him like if if you're ever just watching on TV or you're at the game, just watch him. Like he just goes right to the net like all the time. And like there's a reason he scores he scored a lot so far. He's been lucky, obviously, to some degree, but like he's just always going to the net. Like that goal, it, you know what I mean? Like th- well, there's a reason you score that goal. It's like you go right hard to the net. If there's a concern with him, it's that he's going to get broken after like eight games yeah. because he's like, he's not the biggest guy in the world. And, you know, he's and, not. And kind of like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know his injury history in the HL and everything, but you have to, you have to hope that he can like, sustain what he's doing over a longer period of time. Who do you think the last great pass the Leafs had was? Komarov or Kadri, I guess? I would say Uncle Leo, who was on waivers there the other day. Yeah. Because Kadri's, I don't, Kadri's sort of in that mold, but not really. I mean, he's like a skilled center who does, who brings some of that. Bunting's almost like Darcy Tucker light or something, isn't he? Yep. That's kind of what he reminds me of. Yeah, and like you can see already, people are people love him. And I mean, Chris Chris Johnson made the point to me. He's like, people love fans love players who play hard. Like it's almost that simple sometimes. And like you can see he's playing hard, and like he's he's a pest. Anyway. I was listening to the uh, the Steve Dangle podcast, which you can access on on the Athletic Network, and and Steve was saying um, that you know people talk about. The, league, the Toronto being a hard place to play and yada, yada, yada. And he's like, but but what fans really want is someone who's just busting their ass and like just putting everything out there. And those are, the, you know, that's what they want. They want a team that looks like they're just dying to get it done and win. And I feel like this, this team, maybe it's an, a little bit of an indictment of them, but they need more of that. They need more. So, you know, they, they need they need to change their DNA a little bit in the way, the way they play. And I think bunting is helping that so far. Uh, on another front, uh, not as good. Nick Robertson will miss at least 10 weeks with a broken leg. Um, he's not played a lot of games since he joined the Leafs from the OHL. This is, this is concerning because he's been hurt a lot and he's not a big guy. And this is just like another bump in his development curve. Like, are you concerned that this is like going to be a thing? Or do you just think this is just like an unlucky string of injuries? It's too, I mean, you just be guessing to, to say that. But of course, again, the same thing. He's like you said, he's not very big in the way that he plays. And he needs to just get some time in the AHL where he plays 18 plus minutes a game and puts up points and becomes a really dominant player down there. That's what, and I, I think that, I think, I think fans and media have to kind of slow their role with him and let him develop because it might take him a couple of years and there's nothing wrong with that. There's lots of good players that spent two, three years in the AHL. And I think, I think that's what it's going to take, especially given all the time he's missed. Yeah, like he's he he didn't get a full AHL season last year, obviously for reasons like he was injured, and obviously the season was kind of screwed up. 
and now he won't get a full AHL season this year. And so like that's, that's two years. The, the good thing is like he, he turned 20 in September. Like he's still super young. And I, and I think some of the hype with him, James, like I think it's just inevitable with a Leafs prospect and a Leafs top prospect that you, you might get, not might, you probably get overhyped. Like it's just, you know what I mean? Like you're just, it's just because the, there's so many fans and you're the, their top guy. Like, they're 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 gonna look to you as kind of the future, you know what I mean? And so maybe that inflates what's actually possible and potential for you as a prospect. There's Does that make any sense? Yeah. I mean, there's something with prospects that just I don't even think it's just this market. I think it's every market where I mean you look at the the yeah. interest we get in our prospect coverage that that Corey Pronman and Scott Wheeler provide. Like it's just it's enormous. Like it's it's bigger than I expected when we started covering um, that part of the NHL. Like there's just, there's, and, and I think what it is, is just everyone wants these prospects to be like the next great thing because it can be such a boost to the franchise. And, you know, I, I even remember, you know, co- you and I have covered the Leafs so long. Like there's been so many guys, like remember all the, there's talk about like Jerry D'Amigo and like David Broll and like, yeah. I mean, those prospects aren't on the level of, Luca Caputi and there's been been all these guys over the years that that the organization brought in and thought could be something and it's it's hard it's hard to make that jump from being a really good junior player and even a good AHL player to make an impact in the NHL and I think people just got to be a little bit patient with with Robertson. Well, usually what is the the stopping gap? I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but it's usually skating is is often the thing that that separates it. Like it, you can be a really good AHL player, but you might be like just a half step not quick enough to play in the NHL, and that could be it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's really not it's not a lot, and yet the gap is big. If that it's weird. Like you could look at some like Robertson, and you're like he might just need like half a step to be something in the NHL and maybe he'll get there. Like he looked better to me this, this year than he did last. Yeah, I think so too. And the counterpoint is we just talked about bunting. I mean, bunting's 26 years old. He's been in the minors for a long time yeah. and he's played taken, over 300 games in the minors. Yeah. I mean, there's good players. Didn't, didn't Brendan Gallagher play a long time in the AHL? I mean, Thomas Placanich did. Um, th- there's yeah, a, there's a list of, of Justin pre- Hall, obviously there's a list of pretty good players that that played a lot in the AHL that that made an impact and I mean even like Nylander played in the AHL Kapanen Kadri played in the AHL quite a bit like you know there's really really good NHL players spend time in the AHL so yeah this was something James that maybe you can answer this question then we'll get to the pod bag but I, I've just been looking at like the tops of drafts recently like really recent drafts and I've noticed that that we haven't had some of these like really top picks come in and just be like super duper stars like Matthews, McDavid, Eichel. Do you think those guys were just the exception or do you think there's something like, I don't know, like I, I, I've i been watching Heischer, like Hughes, those guys actually look really good, but like they haven't stepped into the league and been like super duper stars. Kako in, in New York, do you think there's something to that or is that just random? Again, like I think that with some of these guys, it just takes longer. Like Kako's not that old, right? Like it's, yeah, I, I th- it's hard to step right in. Like what Matthews and, and Marner and some of these other young players have done. I mean, like Jack Hughes, I think that, you know, everyone was picking him to be the breakout player this year and 
Sometimes it or just two goals in the first game. I yeah, think. he's going to be great. Like he's going to be a great player. So, but he's me- nineteen, I think. This happened too in other eras too. Like remember Joe Thornton? Like his first year was a mess. Steven Stamkos' first year in the NHL was terrible. Yeah, like true. It just it it takes time. I think Joe Thornton had seven points his first year, and people were saying he was a bust and everything. And then he goes on to you know be one of the most prolific offensive producers in in league history. So. Not everyone can be a Crosby where you're 18 years old and you have 100 points in your first season. Like, that's just, those guys are like otherworldly. Well said. All right, let's take a break and then let's do pod bag. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, James, it is pod bag time. We need like a theme song or something for the pod bag. Maybe I should yeah. write, maybe I should write one. Yeah, get your band together and write one. I don't have a and band. I don't have a band. I'm still looking. I know you gotta start one. Yeah. And as always, James, um support your local restaurants. I have a place now, we have a place in the city at uh, Mabel's where we get our bread. Just unbelievable bread. And I uh I got a butter tart from there from my special partner, just unbelievable. Like butter tarts, James, are like my kryptonite. Like I could eat 5,000 of those. Oh, man. That's like me with like wine gums or something. Oh, wine gums are good. Or licorice. Yeah, underrated. Licorice. Yeah, I don't know. The Halloween. Where do you stand on licorice, James? Like are you a nibs guy or are you a Twizzlers? Yeah, I like those like long nibs. Those are... It's your nibs. Could, right. eat, could eat a whole bag. If, I mean, I'm not, I can, I'm not picky, but with Halloween here, there's so much crap food around my house that I got to be, I got to be careful. <laughs> Whatever. Enjoy. Getting old, man. It's not the same. Nah, you're you'll young. See, you'll see when you're, you're 40. Young. You can't just That's eat. young. You can't just eat a jumbo bag of nibs every night. <laughs> it's going to, it's well, going to make anyone should do that. <laughs> it's going to make, ever. An, it's going to make an impact. You're going to feel your arteries clogging or something. All right. Nick Richard asks, what kind of effect do you think killing penalties will have on Nylander's game? Seems like a smart idea to keep him involved and engaged uh, and impact his ability to play in the defensive zone. Do you, what, do you, what have you seen from Nylander killing penalties and do you think that's going to become a more regular thing? I think he's been okay. Like it hasn't been very much. Like he's like their fifth option, sixth option. I, I like it because one thing I like when teams what teams when teams do this kind of thing is like you're empowering an individual who's important to your team and you're you're saying we we need you to take on this this responsibility and it just makes you feel I think a greater degree of ownership and obviously it's a good thing when Neilander is not sitting on the bench for however many minutes during a penalty kill 
uh, in, in growing stale on the bench. Like he needs to play more than he did last year. Like I think he played 16 and a half minutes. Like that's just not enough. So if you can get him 30 seconds, a minute on the penalty kill, and then get him a couple shifts with Matthews, suddenly you're pushing him up to like 18, 19 a game. I think that's good. And, and I also think like he can be potentially like a threat on the penalty kill. Like I remember, I, I don't know why I remember this, but I remember Claude Lazelle when he worked for the team, we were talking about, I don't know who we were talking about. We were talking about Taves and, and Hosa killing penalties for Chicago. And his point was like, when those guys are on the ice, it just puts like a little bit of a fear in the power play because you, you, you got to be careful because like if, if those guys get the puck, like they're going to get a chance. And now if like you have Marner and you have Nylander, like there's just a little bit more threat level, I think, potential. Well, and the Leafs haven't really been like a huge threat shorthanded, have they, over the over the well, years? Well, they do have the the shorthanded breakaway specialist. Right. Who doesn't score to this point. <laughs> um, all right. Essa says he wants you to announce CJ to join jo- is joining Team Corsi. <laughs> I think we got to get a new nickname or a new team name. And let me just say, Mark was a great partner. He's he's a good friend of mine. He does amazing work. He's there a, was something a with friend the chemistry, of the show. Though. It, it was like it was like having two good players who couldn't play together or something. Yeah, it just did. We just didn't translate into to wins, and we're trying to win here. I was. I think you guys had a little bit of Leafs in you, where it came down to crunch time, and you, <laughs> and you can, I was listening to it yelling at my radio when that was the last one was going on. Well, it's like, if you can't beat those guys in a trivia, like, I think you got to change something, don't you? <laughs> we'll see if Chris, like Chris, we'll, I'm putting a lot of faith in Chris. This audio is going to be on overdrive, Jonas. You got to be careful what you say. Well, it's true. I think they'd admit that. It was surprising that they beat us. I, I'm going to see if I can join up with Mark and rebuild his confidence here. Maybe you can be his teammate. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. He's hunting for a new teammate. <sighs> There's a, we got a number of questions about Nick Ritchie. Uh, here's okay. one Here's one from Alex Howe. How long of a leash does he have in the top six? I know it's only been four games, but I'm wondering if they should move Bunting up and put Kerfoot with Tavares and Nylander and then just have Ritchie on the third line. If, if Richie's not on the top line, I don't. He's either playing with Tavares or he's on the fourth line. Like I don't see any situation where he's playing on the third line. Well, um, they did give him a two-year deal, so you got to give him a little bit more leash than four games. I think I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> so through four games, he has four shots. Well, he did score a bunch in the preseason, right? Like I know it's preseason and whatever, but like it's preseason. The preseason, but you could kind of see what they were thinking. Is that like he's a guy who can just bang in? A bunch of stuff around the net. You, I think you need to give it more than four games. But I don't know. Like, is it five games? Like, how long do you give him? You give him ten games. You know what's going to happen, Jonas? Is that by the trade deadline they're going to have to add a left winger if like it doesn't yeah. shake out? That yeah. That was one of my predictions. Like, I I just don't see. I just don't think it's going to happen. They kind of had to do a two year contract to get him right. Like, if they didn't have him, I mean, you're even further short. But it does feel like James like. They are vulnerable to injury now in, in a way that I, I didn't feel as much in past years. I don't know if that's just recency bias, but it's like if they had one more injury, they're, well, we might see it. Michael Amadio might be playing more. You know what I mean? What's Amadio? All right. Nathan asks, is Rasmus Sandin ever going to get to pick his own number instead of the the one that the Leafs gave him? What, what's the deal with the, with numbers? Like... 
Did, did he get that 38 under, was that under the Lou re- regime? No. No. Remember, no, he's Kyle's Yes, first Indian pick. was right. Why does he have a number that he doesn't like? I think the way it works from my understanding is when you're really young, you don't get to pick. Like, they just give you a number because, like, you're just a prospect at camp. Like, they just give you a number. And then that's your number, and then it kind of sticks with you, and then it's like, well, I've had this number for a while. I'm not going to change it. You know what I mean? Unless you're like, unless you're Matthews or Marner or like Neilander, like you generally don't get to pick initially. I don't think. Well, there was talk that Marner wanted to be 93, right? Like that was part of the discussion coming into his first training camp. Oh man, he's <laughs> retired now, so he can't. But that was that was part of what was talked about. Um. I don't remember that. Hmm. I think I wrote about it. Best not to drive up expectations even higher. Remember when David Clarkson picked 71 to yeah. lean into the Clark thing? Don't, not a good well, idea. Better than picking 17. <laughs> yeah. Related, what do you think of Sandine so far? I think he's, I think he's been pretty good. I think he's been fine. I, like, I've noticed what you talked about a couple weeks ago, like he's not especially fast. And sometimes when he's going against bigger forwards and he's pressured, he can kind of get pushed off the puck, mm. but he, re- he really sees the ice really well. He's a great passer. And he's a great passer. I'm working on something that's looking at some analytics and some like stats that aren't in, in the public sphere. And one of the things that popped immediately, that'll probably be in the, in the article is that, in terms of passing, Sandine was like right, not even just this season, but going back to the other games he's played in the NHL was just right at the top of the whole team. Well, and you know what he does, James? Like he, it's an NHL pass. Like it's hard. It's or, not, or it's and a it's on the tape. And yeah, it's accurate. Yeah. And yeah. He's got a really good feel for the game. I mean, you look at his points so far, James, in the NHL, it's, it's pretty good. I think he's got like, what is that? Like 13 or 14 in like 30 some odd games. Mm-hmm. Like, and not playing huge minutes either. Exactly. Uh, Mike Snow, whose handle is Snowman Tweet, uh, he says, am I in the minority? I feel kind of optimistic about the Leafs season so far. I feel like we've had really good possession. We've been shutting down teams. And there's the injuries as well. What do you think? What do you think of their start so far, the four games? Like, what, I, I feel like they've played pretty well. Like, I, I haven't, you know, there are a little bit of concerns with some of the offense, but I feel like that's going to come, especially now that Matthews is back. I think it's been okay. I mean, th- those are not great teams that they played. Um, you can only beat the teams you're given, right? I mean, they, yeah. And they should have beaten uh, New York. Like, they did everything that they could. I don't think they played especially well in those Ottawa games. Like, they were okay. The Montreal game, they were, they were fine. I mean, there, there are parts of their game that, that are just a work in progress. Like, their power plays are a work in progress. Like, the, Justin or Justin Hall and Jake Muzzin, that pair hasn't looked great. Jake that's Muzzin what I hasn't, gonna, that's what I was going to say. Probably my that's biggest concerning would be the second pair has not been very good. But, you know, Hall's been sick and, and Muzzin's, Muzzin's banged up, correct? Like, there's something going on with him? Yeah, well, I mean, he, he had a maintenance day, so maybe. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Like, he's... That was a four-year contract. This is year three, I believe. Yeah. Is it three? Yeah. Um, he's never been especially quick. It's more like positioning and his head and his toughness and all that kind of stuff. Intelligence. But he's creaky. And, you know, you got to hope if you're the Leafs that, like, injuries don't become more of a thing than they already have been. 
and that he doesn't kind of creak to the point where you've got a hole to fill in your top four. That's what I would say. So I think, I don't know. What do you think? Like, I think they've just been okay, which I expected. Like they played three games without their best player and new, lots of new players. And I, I think they've been, they've been fine. Like there's no, there hasn't been any big red flags. There's been some real positives in the way that Nylander and Campbell and Bunting and, you know, I think that, I think so far the positives outweigh the negatives for me. Sure. You, you got to weather those three games without Matthews and, you know, the power play has been fine. You know, I see some, uh, the power play looks better than it did in the second half of last year. I know it'd be hard to look worse, but it like, at least looks like Spencer. I think Carter. the only thing James, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, sorry. I was just going to say, I think the only thing you'd like to see given, I mean, just honestly, given how much you're, you're paying them in a cap system, you'd like to see Marner and Tavares be able to kind of drive your team a little more. Yep. Than they did, but like it's three games and it's the beginning of the year. Like, I don't know, but you'd like to see a little bit more from those guys when Matthew's out. I I would give the first four games a seven and a half out of 10 is what I would give them. I'd go a little lower, but yeah. You'd go 7.4? Seven, maybe. Okay. Uh, Matthew Tierney asks, is there, are there underlying numbers to suggest that goalies play above, above average when facing the Leafs or are the Leafs shooters making them look good? They're getting goalied in the playoffs and the eye test said, says it happens a lot in the regular season. Um, this is something that, that Sheldon Keefe talked about at practice, right? Like he talked about the need to get some more inside goals and dirty goals, you know, in the slot and, and things like that. And that's something that he talked about that came out of the Amazon series that, that Sheldon Keefe was worried about early on last season as well. Yeah. And it's, I think that's where someone like Bunting helps because that's just how he scores. But that's going to be something to watch um, because like this, it was two playoffs in a row, James, as you recall, where they were just like a dominant regular season scoring team and then it just dried up in the playoffs. So is there something there? Maybe. Uh, Happy campfers. Says, why is David Kampf so good? This person is like they, they've they're all in on David Kampf. Like that's their profile picture. Most of the tweets are about David Kampf. Wow, big fan. What do you think of <laughs> David Kampf so far? It's part of what I love about covering the Leafs. Is it's just like there's no there's no end to the level of passion. You know, they get they get like a checking center who had one goal last year and. People create a Twitter account for him, and I'm sure this guy probably owns his jersey or or girl owns his owns his jersey and watches every shift and creating YouTube highlight packs of David Kemp. I think he's been good. I th- I think that you know he's he's been better than I expected. I think I would say you know you guess can, what his zone star percentage is so far. I don't know ten percent. Yeah, there I nailed it. Nailed it. See, yeah, you can see the potential. I mean. You can see what they were thinking with him. I remember when Manny Malhotra, when he played with the Canucks and they used to put the Sedins in the offensive zone every shift and Malhotra used to get like an 18 or a 22% zone start percentage and that was considered really extreme for that time. I haven't looked. It's smart. I haven't looked this year if there's anyone lower than Kempf. Anyone lower than There is. Oh, yeah. Andre Kasha has started one. He has one offensive zone faceoff. 
Well, and that's part of why I think you got to be a little bit more patient with Kasha on the offensive side because, like, they're he's they're putting him in like a really defensive role, and he still managed to produce a lot of chances too. John Tavares is at seventy percent. Yeah, well, that's part of what why they we should have seen more from those guys is that they're getting softer minutes than they have in the past. Now, without Matthews, other teams are keying on that line, but still, I mean, if you're starting the offensive zone a lot, you should be producing. Indeed. All right. A couple more, James, and we are rolling. Uh, Matt Morrison says, what's the over-under on how many more love letters Spicy J writes about bunting? I think that's enough probably for a little while. I mean, he's playing so well. What do you want me to do? What do you, What can I do? <laughs> well, he says he's not complaining. He says Bunce is, okay. aw- Bunce is awesome is what he says. So Yeah, uh, James, like I'm really mad at myself that I forgot to include that in the, the feature. So mad at myself. Well, you had – so I read your draft of the bunting feature and at the bottom you had some stuff I'd like to include – that I don't have a place for yet. And one of them was his nickname is Bunce. And I was like, you got to include that. Like just put that in, just put that in somewhere. <laughs> oh man. But I think people have caught on that that's his nickname. Um, Such a great nickname too. I don't know if you know the answer to this. I don't really know. Cole Morrow asks with Amarov not getting ice time in the KHL, do you think they should recall him to the play with the Marlies? I mean, that the, with the Russian guys in the KHL, you get into like some contractual things and typically the prospects can make more money over there than they can in the AHL. Uh, I haven't heard anything to this effect, but it certainly could be the case where he would develop better if he was over here. I think that's a better question to ask Cloak, who's on top of the Amarov and prospects beat. So maybe I'll ask him. Yeah, we can, we, can, we can get an answer from him on that one for, for the next show. Uh, here's a good question. I like this question. Actually, I've only been to, to, I've been to games in the preseason and I went to the the opening game, but you've been to, to more of the games than I have so far. Justin says, has there been a noticeable difference in the atmosphere at Scotiabank arena this season? Good or bad? Honestly? Yeah. yeah. The first game was a bit of a dud and I don't know what the reason is for that. Like the, 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 the player introductions always kind of blow me away because when you go to other places, like they get ovations and here it's like. It's it's barely like a pitter-patter. So what I'll say but, to that is that a lot yeah. of people weren't in the building yet because I was outside like 20 minutes but before that's the not, game. But that's not a this year thing. That's an every year thing. I'm like, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, Why yeah. is there not a bigger ovation for this guy? Like I, um, I remember we were sitting there when the game was getting started and I was like, man, there's a lot of empty seats on the, on the opening night. And then it, it filled in better after like 10, 15 minutes. You know, p- people are having to show their proof of vaccination and things like that coming in the building and it's slowing things down a little bit. Um, but... The Leafs announced sellouts. I mean, how many non-sellouts have we seen? And I've been covering, this is my 14th year covering the team. I've not seen very many non-sellouts. And I don't think they've sold out any of the games so far. Yeah, but like what the hell is the difference between 18,000 and 19,000? Well, it's it, like, I mean, it means something. I mean, it means that either there's the demand for tickets isn't as high or, I mean, the prices that I've seen on Ticketmaster for Leafs tickets are high. Ridiculous. Yes, and I, I saw Raptors that. fans have been really complaining too about. So you combine, you need to be vaccinated. So the people that aren't vaccinated, everyone go get vaccinated. But, the, you know, there's still uh, 17% of people or whatever in Ontario that aren't fully vaccinated. So they can't go. Uh, then you, you get kids that are twelve under 12 that can't be vaccinated like my kids. And then I can see why parents wouldn't want to bring kids that are under 12 at this point. Um and then there's going to be people who are vaccinated who are just hesitant about going into an arena that's full. You combine in the super high ticket prices, 
and and people just aren't in the routine of going. There's all these. It's happening around the league. Like Ottawa had a game with eight thousand fans the other day. Pittsburgh's sellout streak that was fourteen years long ended last night. Um, there's there's a lot of this going around the league right now, and I think you're going to see buildings that aren't at capacity. And I think Montreal was 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 light on fans there the other night too. Yeah. Ottawa's had obviously their struggles. I will say, James, that the crowd on Saturday was actually legit good. Oh, okay, good. Um, where like they were cheering for specific plays that weren't goals, which you don't always hear in Toronto. Like that Riley shot block got a big ovation and cheer, and that's not normal. Well, I'm going to come to the game on Friday. Are you going to be there on Friday? Sharks. We got the, we got the Sharkies. Yeah, very exciting. So we'll see what the the Sharks just pumped Montreal. How about Montreal? Yeah. How about Buffalo? How about Buffalo? The start of the league is just, I hope this continues. I hope that we get some real bananas results here in the first 15 games. I've been watching some other games, James, and some of these teams just aren't very good. Yeah, I've been watching a lot too. Yeah. Like Vancouver just doesn't look good to me. I don't know. Yeah, but Vancouver's bad, man. Like they had a bad offseason. I know, but like you listen to like the way that they're, anyway. They gave Tucker Pullman a four-year deal for like, what do you get, two and a half million? It's just like I, I hear on like TV and all these places that, that that's like a team that's supposed to be good and I just don't see it. Anyway, that's just one example. No, they're, the, uh, Vancouver might be bottom five and they don't have their first round pick, right? Because they, they traded in, in the, the Garland Ekman Larson deal. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, boy. So some of these organizations got to get it together a little bit. Like, yeah, it's weird. Like you would think at this point in time, like there wouldn't be just really bad, badly run teams, but, but there are teams in Canada with huge fan bases that, you know, with a lot of revenue. And I mean, I'm from BC. I was a Canucks fan for whatever, eight years or something when I was young, um, before renouncing my, my membership in that that group and it's i don't know my dad's a diehard canucks fan i don't think he's watching the games right now like people are i was talking to my my cousin i have a, a cousin bj who's a diehard canucks fan i was talking to him last night he's like I, he like he's like giving up he's like not watching he doesn't care like that's that's a problem i get it it's understandable i mean you look at some of these teams like chicago obviously made a big splash in the offseason that's not worked oh, it's well, so early but, but like that it doesn't look like that's going to go great. You can't make a big splash that's a dumb splash. Like, that's not going to work. And to be clear, cannonball? I'm not. <laughs> you don't like cannonballs? No. What's wrong with that's a, good, a dumb splash? It's a good. I don't know. I like cannonballs. Right. Probably doesn't surprise you. All right. I think that's it unless you've got one further question. Uh, yeah, there's some good stuff here. Okay. Uh, well, here's a really good one. Uh, Miles wants to know: Do you prefer chicken fingers or chicken nuggets? Oh, that's an awesome question. <laughs> that is a great question. I, we've, so, I've gotten really into like the popcorn chicken that you can get. Like, uh, I'm not a fan of those. What? Why? It just takes too many. Like, I, I need. That's why I'm a chicken finger person. Oh, just because like it's more reliable. Having little kids, I've gotten so into like popcorn chicken and and chicken nuggets, and I just like. The, the real question for me, Jonas, is how many is too many to eat in one sitting? That's that's what I haven't figured out. I think over 
six chicken fingers is probably pushing it. What do you think? No, and talk- like I'm 10 talking, nuggets? I'm talking like nuggets, yeah. 10 maybe? I mean, yeah. what is... What does McDonald's do with their McNuggets now? Is it is well, it 10 now get, that you, you get? Can, no, I think you can get 6, 10, or 20, I think is the... Oh, my God, 20. <laughs> well, I think that's for sharing, Jonas. It's that's not for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> What's your go-to dipping sauce? Are you a sweet and sour oh, guy? Oh, sweet and sour for sure. Yeah. All the way. Yeah, that's not, classic. Uh, I got a couple more. Can we do some rapid fires here? Are we out sure. Of t- are we running out of time? Uh, Guizo wants to know, with Spezza so productive in limited minutes, why don't they just move them up the lineup? That is... I, I hear that a lot. Just because he's productive in limited minutes doesn't mean you give him more minutes and he's going to be the same productive. Like he's thirty-eight. This is working. Like this, this works. I think people are just frustrated watching some of the other players, and they, like they want to see Spezza play more. I mean, I wonder if they could play Spezza in offensive minutes with some of the good players a little, like shift him in once in a while or something. Yeah, that's an idea. That's fair. I mean, they do use him, like, they use him to take face-offs on penalty kills. He's on the power play, like, I don't know. You're trying to make it last until, like, the playoffs and for a long playoff run. Uh, What's your last rapid fire? Aaron wants to know what games Michael Hutchinson going to play. Yeah, and we know that he's going to play one of the games Friday or Saturday. Do you play him San Jose or do you play him against Pittsburgh? I would play him against San Jose. What about you? Although they just beat Montreal 5 nothing, so I don't know. Yeah, I kind of like just I, I kind of like the strategy the Leafs had of just play your best goalie in the first game of the back-to-back and and get the two points and then like that's a Babcock strategy. I think it was a no, I I was what I was told is that was like the analytics department strategy, not Babcock. He was like listening to what the data said. I don't know. As soon as, well, as soon as Babcock left, they changed it. So I don't know. I uh, I heard that they showed like some sort of numbers or whatever to Babcock. And that's why he was, well, doing, yeah, you, he was doing that. You showed the same numbers to me. Like, yeah, that's what I would your do. Your chances of winning the second night Pittsburgh, are lower. So Pittsburgh you try to get them have and Malkin. They've been good though. They're yeah, plucky. I know, yeah. I don't know. What, uh, yeah. The, the, the league's been weird this year. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. And I don't know if that's just because it's the first week, but it feels like Probably. it feels like we're going to get some wacky stuff happen. Like some teams we thought were going to be good are going to miss the playoffs, and some teams that we thought were crap are going to be are going to be successful. So that's I love it. All right. Well, James, we mentioned Jack Hughes. He's on the Athletic Hockey Show this week, so you can go listen to him. I, I was really happy. I, I scooped him up in my league. I, I, I'm betting on the breakout. I I took another underrated gem in Connor McDavid in my pool. What a sucker. That was a stupid pick. <laughs> I also have Bar- right. I have Barkov and I have Zibanejad. I'm just stacked at center ice. Those are three pretty good centers. The problem is that we only have two center slots in our pool, so one of them's always on the bench. <laughs> you don't have a skater slot? No. No. Huh? It, all, they, all we have, I don't know who set this up. Maybe it's like the default for the pool, but it's like two centers, two left wingers, two right wingers. So I got three. Actually, I had Kuznetsov too. I had four good centers. And I was like, what am I going to do with all these guys? I just dropped Kuznetsov, who's a pretty good player. Weird pool. All right. Go to theathletic.com slash sleep report if you haven't signed up. Subscriptions are 50% off. So it's a good time to try. And thank you for listening, James. Like, we appreciate our listeners. We'll be back next week. The Leafs are on the road. Carolina and Chicago. Our man Josh Cloak will be there. So that'll be fun. Interesting games. Hello? 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> was that that was your throw to me? <laughs> yeah, were, I don't know. You were on a roll. Yeah. Okay. Well, follow, yeah, subscribe to the Athletic for all the Michael Bunting content that Jonas can can write. I, I think he's got another two pieces on Bunting coming later this week. So stay tuned. Thanks, James. Goodbye.